Hello, friend. Thanks for tuning in. At the time of this recording, it is 1 a.m. Monday, July 9th. (laughs) I know. What am I doing? What am I doing? Well, um, I promised the children's ministry coordinator that I would paint poster board with acrylic murals of three events from the life of David, Moses, and Aaron. Because VBS is today. So I've got five of those done, and I have... I'm doing three murals for each person, that makes nine, and then I'm also helping with two craft templates, so eleven total. I've got five done, six done, so I'm more than halfway there. Yes, I have everything done for tomorrow, but I also have to return the paints because the older kids are doing a craft. And who waited the last minute? This girl. This podcast, I, I know I promised you I would talk about those who have will be given more. And I have a rough outline written down, but I, I'm, I, I do not have the brain power for that this week. So... Something exciting is uh, happening today. Um, July 9th, I'm officially 31 years old. 31. Wow. I, 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 I don't know. Somehow I just never thought I would make it past 30. Like, Wow, only special people get to this age? It's like, in a sense, that's true because there's, you know, if you want to look up the mortality rate for any, anyways, um, you know, not everybody gets to live to age 30 or 31. So this is a privilege. This is a huge privilege in my mind. Like, and, um, my husband is wonderful. I keep pinching myself to, to, realize my life is real my my life is real um one of the reasons i've been so crazy busy is that we recently moved apartments same apartment complex but it's a larger newer floor plan and basically it gives us better creativity space and um Like, we, um, we've not even been here that long, and, like, I'm still getting settled, but we already feel settled, if that makes sense. So, um, like, the kitchen is functional and larger and amazing, and, um, the bedroom is kind of settled, the closet is settled. The bedroom's doing okay, I need to catch up on laundry like a crazy person, The bathroom is still a hot mess. The hobby room is a really hot mess. So we still got boxes everywhere. We got rid of our old couch. So it's it's definitely a a chaotic environment. So that's um that's mentally draining, but also very invigorating at the same time. But then then that vigor turns into slightly mental drain, but also there's like this underlying feeling of contentment. 
very weird layering of emotions in my soul right now. My husband asked me recently, you know, what... And in his very logical David Allen getting things done method, he asked me, okay, what is the... What is the pantry? Is this a project or are you content with it the way it is? And I listed off four things without even looking at the pantry of things I want to do in the pantry. So, um, ladies, you get this. Dudes, there's a reason that we're wired differently. So let's just celebrate that. Okay? Okay. Yeah. Um, One of the things that has come to my attention is that there's a fair amount of man bashing on the internet. And this really, really bothers me. I... It is not mature to use generalities in regard to an entire gender or an entire people group. You know, and like... To make a statement about an entire group of the human race based on they have an X and Y chromosome. It hurts. It hurts me to read those things. Now granted, there are sucky human beings of every flavor and X, Y, or... What is it? XX or YY? Yeah. Of every DNA type. You know, maturity and immaturity does not discriminate between color and class and social status and gender and, you know, gender identification. And that's a whole... Yeah. So, like, maturity... Okay, the ultimate model of maturity was Jesus. And let me give you a revelation. You might not have thought of this before. Jesus came to us in person. So he could show us how to do life in person. Now I'm sorry to get all like hipster on you. Like do life together. But Jesus literally gathered 12 guys together. And had them follow him around for 3 years. To watch him how he did it. Like that is the biblical definition of discipleship. So when Jesus says, you know, go into Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the end of Matthew, last chapter, right before he ascends. So that beautiful great commission, he he came to us in person to show us how to do it. And we still have that example to this day. You know, Jesus was gentle with broken people. And he was harsh with hard-hearted people because he knew that was the only way to get through to them. So we need all of that in real life. Because if we don't receive real love in real life, and, like, I keep pinching myself that I am married to such a man with such healthy boundaries. Because I sure as heck did not grow up with that. And... Ben is just so friggin' 
healthy. It drives me bonkers sometimes, and I still wonder if I'm good enough for him and crazy stuff like that. Like, human brains, man. We are, like, even when life is good, we are still whacked. Like, Jesus, please come quickly. Please come quickly. Anyways, I'm 31. I'm getting closer. So, it's one in the morning, and I am really, really spacey. Oh, speaking of spacey, one of my friends recently introduced me to a blog site called Attitude Magazine, Attitude Mag, and it's A-D-D-itude mag, M-I-G, I'll put the link in the description, um, basically it's all about ADD and ADHD and living with it, oh my gosh, I'm reading the articles and I'm thinking, okay, that's me, okay, that's me, mm, that's not so much me, that's me, that's me, that, nah, that's much, uh, that's me, yeah, it's extremely affirming. Even just down to like little things, like having someone sit with me while I do a task helps me to stay focused on said task. It's, it's life-changing. It is life-changing. Like before I moved from Florida, my friend Kayla sat with me and like, like she literally didn't do anything. She just sat with me and helped me do the thing. I would never have finished that particular packing project if she had not just sat with me and encouraged me and her words and voice have entered my self-talk to this day. Let's talk about self-talk. Okay, self-talk. Oh my gosh. Dear Lord Jesus, please help us all. Okay. My friend Honor says that she has learned to treat herself and speak to herself the same way she would treat a five-year-old. You would not... If, if you are a person in your right mind, you would not chew out a five-year-old for no reason. You will not yell at them. You will not beat them without great emotional heartache because you need to teach them what they did was wrong so that they don't do it again for their own benefit, not because you're taking your anger. Mm, mm, mm. Um, and a tangent on that, self-harm, the root of self-harm is that we need to do something with our anger and we don't like how other people take their anger out on others so we take our anger out on ourselves that's all it is and self-harm has many different forms and i'm going to avoid triggering you but there's way more to it than just knives way more i did self-harm and i never touched knives so <laughs> humans are creative. Also, the only references to self-harm in the Bible has to do with the prophets of Baal slashing themselves for their god. Like, seriously, there's nothing new under the sun. You think cutting is new? No, no. Cutting is as old as time. Old as time. It's like thousands and thousands of years old. So just because we don't have... documented psychological records to the extent that you would like to have them, we have enough. We have enough. So my friend Honor says that she does not speak to herself any differently than how she would speak to a five-year-old. That transformed my life. That alone. And she's an entire 
video series on how to overcome anxiety. Like, it is incredible. It is incredible. Excuse me. I can't talk. It's one in the morning. It's called Unmasking Anxiety. And she talks about the science. She talks about, you know, taking control of your thoughts. Confession, I haven't even listened to the entire thing yet. And I'm still sending to people, like, hotcakes. Actually, I have it on my iPhone auto-replace. So if you go into settings... You go to general, you go, scroll down, you go to keyboard, you go to text replacement. You can type in a URL, you can type in a keyword sentence, and then you can put some kind of shortcut. So for that, I put ampersand A-N-X. So ampersand anxiety. And that is the my short, I type those four characters, and boom, I have the short link to the YouTube playlist. That only works on my phone because I've set it up. I'll put that in this link description as well. I'm super tired. What did I already say I would put in the description? I'm going to have to write this down as usual. Um, anyways, let me write this down at least so I remember. Ben is asleep. I don't want to wake him. He's going to listen to this tomorrow and be like, Mickey Moo, you listened to a, you recorded a podcast in the dead of night? Yes, I did. And I also called myself Mickey Moo. Don't judge me. Anyone who's listening, Benny Boo doesn't judge me. Do 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 anxiety. Also, the ADD magazine. Attitude mag. Oh my gosh. So anyway, Attitude mag has really inspired some really affirming conversations, both me with myself and me with Ben. It's it's life changing. I I love it so much. I'm so excited. So back to Honor Weber. Um. When she said that when she talks to her, she treats herself like she would treat a five-year-old. That has slowly changed my life. So one, um, Kayla's voice, when she held me, has now become part of my self-talk. Which is amazing, because I've got a fresh sound in my head to replace the old tapes. Um, So there was one day, this is way before I was moving, not way before, I lived in Florida for nine years, so way before, so it might be like a year and a half before, when Ben and I were just like friends, maybe we were talking, I don't remember, towards the end of my time in Florida, like I held, I felt like a conviction about, from the Holy Spirit about something, I don't remember what, and I turned to look at myself, there was like glass doors that were very reflective, so it was like looking in a mirror, And I turned to look at myself in the reflective glass doors, and I started yelling at myself. And somehow in that moment, I realized that I would never want to treat my children one this way. And not only that, I I was tired of treating myself this way. But... I didn't know any better for a long time, but now I did. So that sad and painful epiphany. And now when God convicts me of sin, I try not to yell at myself. In addition to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's condemnation. That's not conviction. Conviction is like, oh crap, I shouldn't have done that. Jesus, please help. Jesus, please make that right. Please Jesus, please 
help me to mature, hashtag mature, so that I don't do that again, repeat that, please help me to not judge people who do it so that I don't do it as well and fall into that, because, okay, any, any time that I judge someone for doing something, I do the exact same thing. Prime example is when there was a dude at a stoplight in his car shaving his face. And I was just like, what the heck are you doing? That's so stupid. Yeah, not even a few weeks later. I was at the exact same stoplight shaving my legs. Dry. Yeah, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Otherwise, you might end up at a stoplight shaving something. I, yeah. Um, it's 1 a.m., and I've titled this podcast appropriately, so you know to expect completely randomness. So, thanks for hanging in there. I hope this is interesting. So, anyways, I have learned, you know, that, among other many, many countless examples that I can't even repeat because there's just so many of them. I can't even list them. That's what I'm trying to say. So, I have learned, so whenever I catch myself judging someone, I'm like, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me see the big picture. Help me to not judge them. I, I need to not do that. So that is wonderful and amazing. Um, I had to learn to stop judging myself. Oh my dear holy God. I had to learn how to stop judging myself. That That was freaking excruciating that it felt like it took forever and it's still a work in progress i wrote i recorded a whole podcast on that yeah like three weeks ago something like that yeah things i used to judge myself yeah honestly i still feel kind of torn up about like me dancing at the altar when i was told not to dance at church but like because spiritual authority, but what's the final word on spiritual authority? And, that just, and so I just, I just want God to set my motives and move on with my life and not worry about it. That's kind of the phase I'm at. And I'm trying to just take every day, each day at a time. And honor my husband, honor God, you know, do church membership. Church membership is important. We are joining a PCA. We have two more elders to meet with, and then we can join um, a fold that has an elder and a deacon and other families in it. So that's kind of like the the cross-generational leadership structure. Um, I'm super excited about it. Oh my gosh. I love our church. <sighs> our pastor did our wedding ceremony, and... His sermon was amazing. Like, okay, here's an example. Both my mother and my mother-in-law took notes on the sermon and thought, oh my gosh, that's really, really good. Um, and, like, my mom wrote it down and emailed it to people because there was more than one person. I forget who, like, maybe my aunt, but anyways... More more pe- women wanted more people wanted that sermon note than just my mother in law. And then my mother in law took that and she wrote down the bullet points 
on a um it's in a it's 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 near the kitchen table yeah like like it's become part of the family decor like that's how amazing that sermon was i'm going i've asked ben and he has given me permission and support to share the audio from our wedding sermon on this podcast around the time of our anniversary. So stay tuned for that. It was a barn burner. I cannot wait to hear it again because I was kind of going googly-eyed staring into my man's eyes, but I still can't wait to hear it again because it was really, really good. So um, so that is only one reason why we love our church. Um, our pastor is really awesome. Pastor's wife is really awesome. Um, we've met with almost all the elders, and we know the other two that we're supposed to meet with, we just haven't, it just hasn't happened yet, because, you know, we had lots of life transition, and then we moved, and it's just, it's, 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 it's been a busy year, and it's just now July, oh my gosh, it's July, what the heck, hey, okay, so, I love, so we've met with, we know all the elders, and we love them, and they're on the same page, and we're getting to meet the deacons just as part of, like, joining the community, and they seem really chill. Um, this, okay, there's two things, three things, that really, really stands out about this church community. One, we are a fellowship of introverts. It's amazing! Like, Everybody in this in this congregation. Okay, granted. Okay, Phoebe is an extrovert, and God bless her. She comes up to me and asks me how I'm doing and checks in. I'm just like I'm so thankful for your friendship because I don't have the emotional energy to do that. So, with rare extension exceptions, the majority of our congregation is introverted. Um, so we are very sympathetic to that process and then second we are extremely artistic we have classically trained musicians everywhere we have visual artists we have singers it's just (sighs) the power flickered during worship service one time and the piano player is playing the piano and she doesn't need she doesn't have any electric acoustic assistance and we're not reading from a a powerpoint or some kind of display we are reading from hymnals so the power flickered and unlike most of the churches in america these days we kept on singing because there was no reason to stop because we didn't need electricity for our worship service it was magical it was absolutely amazing and that was like three months ago and i'm still just bonkers about it so um we're extremely artistic which is so amazing because oh oh oh, and like we have a a small school on the side and they have a ballet program and so there there's just 
so much um, understanding and compassion for artistic types in this congregation. It is, like, unbelievable. The majority, I would say. Like, we definitely, um, we definitely have, like, business people and, you know, I'm sure we have insurance agents and, you know, normal folk, not to insult anyone. We have, we, I'm sure we have, like, practical, logical, non-artistic types scattered plentiful throughout, but we have, like, like, we've joined a Dungeons and Dragons group, um, through our church, and they are dramatic as all get out, and we're just comfortable, and we're talking about, oh gosh, if you've played D&D with good people, you know that you say the weirdest things. I, let me see. Um, there was a sword inside of a worm. I, you had to be there. I'm, I, I'm not even going to try. But anyways, so, okay, when our game master gets into character, he makes the sound effects, and he walks, and he, he gets into character, and he, oh my gosh, drama, so much drama, I love it. (sighs) The third interesting thing, besides introverted, artistic, the third interesting thing about our congregation is that we have many struggles with mental health and depression. I can think off off the top of my head. I know someone who was on lithium for 20 years. I know someone who's struggling with suicide right now. I know someone who is struggling with bipolar. I know someone who had situational depression because of imbalanced hormones. Like... Oh my gosh. Like, this church is so crazy vulnerable. Like, people will tell you deep things about themselves. Not everybody, but some people will tell you deep things about themselves. The first conversation, they really meet you. And like, for years, I felt like I'm the only person who does that. And it makes me feel really out of place in the world. Honestly, because I... My personality type is an INFJ, introverted, intuitive, feeling, judging. So I take in the information I have at hand and I make a decision to jump into action versus perceiving, which is I want more information before I make my final decision. Ben is a perceiver. I'm a judger. I really, really dislike that term for reasons I have already explained in this podcast. So I prefer to use the word jump. I prefer to jump into action as opposed to procrastinate and gather information. But that's procrastinating can be for J's or P's and it's not. So that word isn't great for P's either. So I'm going to stick with perceivers and jumpers. So I'm an introverted, intuitive, feeling jumper. And... I want to get to the heart of the matter as soon as possible. I don't care about the weather. I don't care about small talk. I want to discuss life and your convictions and what God showed you recently and what he... (sighs) Our pastor encouraged us today to talk about, well, let's confess our sin to each other. Like, that is healing. And my girlfriend took me to lunch for my birthday and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, I need to talk about this. And I just, I, 
It was the emotional equivalent of coughing up a hairball and saying, I think this thought, and it's so gross, and I hate it. Lori, I am a sinful, wicked person, and I want to stop. And she's like, you are so precious. I'm just like, bah, thank you, why? <laughs> that, that was that process. If you, are a, if you are a growing Christian, you are very familiar with that process, I hope. So, basically... Um, we don't do that on a regular basis, but there is the, I have been through this major life thing and I've been like, I'm currently struggling with X, Y, Z and, and just, oh my gosh, when women who are 50 years old talk honestly about their marriage, it is like, this is amazing. I don't have to have it perfect because it's never going to be perfect because 50 year old marriages have bugaboos. That is my friend's code word for the fact that her husband wants to be wheeled up at 10 o'clock sharp, rolling out the garage. And if she is getting walking into the garage at 10.03, does that really make a difference? And she calls it a bugaboo. And it helps, it helps me so much. It helps me so much. Like, that, that, oh my gosh, like, okay... My mother-in-law's neighbors in her Bible study were totally open books with me. And I can't tell you, like, oh my gosh. I've had so much just good, healthy therapy from people being vulnerable about what they've lived through. Like, like, oh. Dear sweet Lord Jesus, please let this become common of the church. Like, if we're pretending we have it all together, then, then okay, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. That is revelation somewhere. Go find your concordance, Meggie Moo. Go find your concordance, dear listener. I have it in my Twitter thread for my testimony. Yeah. Do I? It should be there. I need to add it there. Yeah. More things to put on the goading things done do list. I'm taking a week offline this week because I am just absolutely bonkers. I'm bonkers. Okay, I've been on social media since 2007. I think it was 2007 when I got on Facebook. I got on Twitter 2011. I've been on Tumblr, Pinterest, Periscope. I've I've done all the things. I got on Instagram once I finally um once it finally came to Android. Like I've been on I've been on social media ca- platforms that aren't even viable anymore. Like I've been on so many and, 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 because I've been on Twitter since 2011, I am friends with people who I met through Twitter who are no longer even active on Twitter. I can think of two off the top of my head. And that just, it, it blows my mind. And, okay, on one hand, I'm grateful for it, but on the other hand, it's like, I'm... I am really, really tired. I'm tired of the fast pace. I'm tired of the shallow dialogue. I want to get in the direct messages and talk about 
life like that is that is my happy place like genuinely hearing somebody talk about their life story like I introduced myself to my new neighbor downstairs and I said you know if you need a cup of flour or an egg or you need a hug or you need to talk about your life story come find me I'm an INFJ I love to hugs and I love to hear people's life story and I ain't can that gives me so much joy it makes me think God made me that way huh what a concept maybe he made people to hear other people's life stories and have the faith to trust God with those life stories like don't get me wrong, I read an article the other night that was just like, oh crap, Jesus, are you big enough for this? Yeah, yes, you are. Let, let me, please help me have faith that you're big enough for this. But most of the time, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So, um, and, and the thing about faith, the reason you only need a mustard seed is because it grows exponentially. Like, Jesus didn't have the word exponential necessarily when he was explaining things you know that math concept probably hadn't hit the books yet however he did say you know your faith is like a mustard seed and it it turns out as this tiny little seed if you sneeze it's gone gone bye-bye but when you plant that mustard seed and it takes root and it really grows it becomes the largest tree of all that blows my mind it really blows my mind Oh my gosh, it is 1.35 in the morning? <sighs> okay, well, yeah. So faith grows exponentially. So if you have a little bit, then God stretches it. Then God strengthens it, and you get a little bit more. God goes strengthens it, and you get a little bit, bit more. And you strengthen it, you get a little bit more. I hope that made sense, theologically speaking. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, how are you? And I want to give them a sound effect of, that's how I'm feeling right now. But, like, it would take me four essays covering way more content than I can possibly accurately explain to transmit what you just heard in audible sound without language. Yeah, I, I, we, we need a social media that allows for sound effects for, for emotional status updates. Not really. That, that would get ugly fast, but you know, it's a concept and it's 1.30 in the morning. So who's judging? Mm-mm, not me, because I've learned that lesson already. Um, mostly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned to ask for help. That is most of life. Oh. I realized why I don't like to ask for help. Do you want to hear? Do you, do you want to hear why I don't like to ask for help? Because I don't want to be dictated to. I want to be given options about how I can do it. But my... My perception is that if I ask you how to do something, you will tell me exactly how to do it step by step and micromanage my every movement. And don't get me wrong, I have had ballet lessons and I have taken instruction on which way to angle my head depending on where my leg is when. I know how to take micromanagement, micromanagement 
and make something beautiful out of it. However, working in an office and being afraid of being dictated to made me really scared to ask for help about how to do this and how to do this. So I would take my INFJ personality and jump into things and I would throw people off their game. And my dear friend Debbie had to take me into the kitchen more than once and say, when you do this, you throw us off. And it's not like, we like your quality of work, but this is not working and you need to change. And it was uncomfortable but she loved me by doing that. And I'm telling you, if she she is one of the amazing people, she's one of the people in Florida who is intentional about keeping up with me. And I'm extremely, extremely grateful for her. And I always will be. She is in my journal. Debbie G is in my journal. And um, <laughs> for positive reasons, <laughs> many there's many reasons to be in my journal. Not Most of them are not because you behaved well. Um... But, um, Debbie was so helpful in telling me what I was doing wrong so that I could change. And it's taken me, you know, let's see, that was four years ago because the World Cup was that year. It's taken me four years from then to realize why the heck I was making that mistake. Four years, and and before that, when I worked at Banana Republic, they also told me, hey, like, we need you to ask for help more. We need you to ask for help more. I've heard that in my entire working life. And it is now at the age of 30 turning 31 that I finally realized it's because I was so micromanaged as a child and so controlled and dictated to that I didn't wasn't allowed to, I wasn't given options, I was given a course. (sighs) And I can, there were, I can't remember it now, but there was a time where, okay, I distinctly remember, you know, at least a couple instances where Someone told me to do something, and I knew it wouldn't turn out the way either of us wanted, but I did it the way they told me to anyways, because that's what I knew I ought to do. Like, you realize how stupid that is. Do you realize how much shame I felt living like that for years, years? Yes. I really hope I don't wake my husband. My poor husband. Nah, he's fine. He's fine. I love you, Benny Boo. Oh, wait. Did I say that? I didn't say that. I'm sorry, Benny Boo. Okay. Yeah, I'm way too long into this podcast to, like, give up now, so I'm just giving out trade secrets left and right, and... Yeah, just just keep on keep on listening. Keep on listening. <laughs> okay, M- move along, move along. Anyways... Emotional healing, maturity, it takes time. Like, I pulled my hamstring last week. And, tag gummit, I miss my splits. I miss my flexibility. 
But you know what? God doesn't need my flexibility. And as much as my pride would love to have the ballet body I did when I was 21, like 21, 22 was when things finally clicked and I learned Magali got my shoulders to go back. Wow. Um, Life-changing. And now I'm finally figuring out how to connect my core so I don't wobble in pirouettes. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm 30. Like, anyways. Um, for you ballet types, I hope that makes you feel more normal. Like, I'm... I'm it, it's forever. It's forever. <sighs> so you just keep showing up and you pray and then you show up and you pray and you show up some more and you pray. So where was I, what was I saying before that? Um, maturing takes a lot of time. It takes... It takes showing up with God. And... Like, if you're afraid of the Bible, hug the Bible and fall asleep. And just ask God to help you, make you more brave tomorrow. I've done that. I have hugged my Bible in my bed because I was single. I lived alone. I was tired. I do not miss those lonely nights. Abstinence sucks. Being single has rough moments. Being married has rough moments. Life has rough moments. We're all waiting for Jesus to come back. He's coming back soon. Stay alert. So in those dark nights of the soul, and I'm hugging my Bible, I finally finished my entire Bible. I started reading it in 2009. Nine years later, I finally read the whole Bible. Don't ask me what's in Isaiah, because I know maybe three chapters. Isaiah 1, Isaiah 55, and that eagle chapter. 40-something or other. That's all I remember from Isaiah. But, I've worked through my minor prophets. And I know that God loves justice. Because wicked, wicked, wicked things take him off way more than they do me. And if his infinite emotions feels holy indignation about every layer and every level of wrong that is ever committed down to the stealing of a pencil, I can trust him with justice. And I can trust him with my soul because he loved me first. You know, Psalm 27 has been a refuge for me saying, you know, you will find hope in the land of the living. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I finally am. And even if your parents forsake you, I will never forsake you. And then in Romans it says, you know, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. He loved. He came down and he loved us. Like, oh my gosh, can you imagine being Jesus on this earth and constantly, oh my gosh. Okay, I do not have maturity for this. 
Jesus was God in the human flesh. And he was able to read through every single person's motives that he ever interacted with. Down to the core, down to the moment when they were three or two or still in utero. When that wound started, that initiated that behavior. Like, like I have deep emotions, but I am not infinite. And knowing that amount of information about every single human being on the face of the earth whom you ever interact with in a day-to-day, like, I can't handle that, number one. Number two, do you think Jesus ever really felt understood? Think about it. Like, as humans, we need to be understood. That's part of having friendships. That's part of healthy human life. And I am overdue to talk about friendship again. So that'll come up in like a month or so or something. Um, But do you think Jesus ever felt understood? Really? I think that the person who understood Jesus the most was John the Baptist. And I have two theories for that. I have two scripture evidences for that. One is how Jesus Jesus took John's death really hard. He went away to a solitary place to mourn. And the crowds followed him and then he'd worship in a state of grieving. So that's always, you know, sacrificially awkward. Um, but then the other thing is that he and John met while they were in utero. Let's talk about utero for a second. So The Virgin Mary goes to visit her cousin, whose name presently escapes me. Go read the book of Luke. Mary, Virgin Mary, goes to visit her cousin. They're both pregnant. And the cousin's baby, John the Baptist, leaps inside of her womb. Mary hasn't even told her that she's pregnant yet. And John the Baptist is already excited. About Jesus in utero. Like. Y'all logical people out there can get all. Well the baby was just kicking your kidneys. Like. Eh. Yeah and wives tales have scientific backing. When you really look them up. So don't go outside and get pneumonia people. What was I talking about? Okay John the Baptist. And Jesus grew up together. Jesus' brothers didn't get him. They didn't believe who he was until after the resurrection. He says, who are my mother and brothers? Those who do the will of my father. That's in Matthew somewhere. John the Baptist probably understood Jesus. Was probably Jesus' best friend. That's the theory, you know, I mean, but we also got John and Peter and <sighs> but there is no one friend that will ever understand you a hundred percent of the time, and that's okay because Jesus didn't even get that. 
I used to think, man, the things I used to think. Holy camoli. Oh, that, that would be an awkward podcast all by itself. So we'll definitely have to do that sometime. The, one of the things I used to think <laughs> was um, I used to think that all of my friends, that a true friend needed to know my entire life story. And they need to know everything I'd ever been through, every major life event, that sort of thing. That's not realistic. And people can love you and support you and not know about your 17-year-old camp counselor crush that you hung on to until you were 20 years old. Like, It's not relevant information now. Like, my best friend knows about it because she was back there then. She walked with it with me. But my new people, I'm not going to tell them about that. Like, it's not relevant. Unless, of course, it's time to be vulnerable and talk about, hey, this is my life and you're going through a thing. I went through a thing. Let me tell you my story. It might make you feel more normal. It might make you feel accepted in a invaluable. Let me check my phone still on. Okay, yes, my phone is still on because otherwise that'd be extremely awkward and demoralizing. So now that I don't remember what I was talking about, John was Jesus' best friend. Friends don't have to understand us. Man, the grace of God in like remembering stuff while I'm recording this podcast is grace. So So yeah, I used to think that I need to catch up my new friends on my entire life story. Like, what kind of pressure is that? And then I'm talking about myself ad nauseum? Oh my word. Yeah, that was awkward. Um, I mean, not awkward. I did it with people who were accepting of that because I was young and immature. and, and, And since then, I've learned to ask more questions than I talk and something I'm really struggling with, struggling with is uh, I feel so uncomfortable talking about this but I'm also nearly 45 50 minutes in this podcast so if you're still listening this might help you and I trust you with this information because you're here here we are so um I'm really struggling with investing in friendships with mentors and it comes down to my self-worth because I feel like I am receiving more than I'm giving and I don't feel good enough to receive like I logically haven't figured out my head but my heart is still like this feels very awkward. I am not used to this. I feel so blessed. And I feel like this is a counseling session. But I'm not paying for anything. And they're just letting me sit here and talk about my life. And ad nauseum. And oh my gosh. I'm so blessed. To have the people that I do have. <laughs> I'm not. Like I need to figure out how to reach out to them. Better. And like. Ben is an incredible example of this. Ben and his mentor have been going since high school. Since Ben was in high school. So we're talking seven years. Seven years. He and this mentor have been going to lunch like once a month. 
and life is life transitions are are happening so we might have to figure out a different way to get together consistently but still they're going to maintain a way to get together and i think the reason that that relationship is sustainable is because the mentor sees it as a friendship and ben sees it as a mentorship and there's still a healthy level of reciprocation There's a healthy cycle of reciprocation. And that is something that I'm studying. (laughs) Not like scientifically studying, but just like pondering consistently. Um, Something I've seen in myself and other people who've gone through abusive situations is that we have this sacrificial giving complex. And so... We just like to give, 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 but we don't feel good enough to receive. And we don't feel good enough to be content with what we're able to give. We burn ourselves out with giving more than we can give. It's like, no, you have limited emotional energy and you need to budget it for who is most important to you. And if I spend too much of my emotional energy on the internet then that leaves Ben feeling out in the cold. Like, um, he's kind of the first person in my life. He's also kind of sponsoring my existence and my ability to do online ministry. So I need to make sure that that relationship stays healthy. And I need to make sure that there is a consistent cycle of reciprocation. You know, as much as it depends upon me to be at peace with all men. Specifically my husband. (sighs) Yeah. So, anyways, I feel a lot better for having verbally processed all of this stuff. I hope you found it entertaining at least, and hopefully beneficial. I'm going to go to bed now, because it's kind of 2 in the morning. My name is Meg, I love my Jesus, and I believe in living inside out. Now it is your turn. Go live it. Throwback from the Twitter Archive. Be small and intentional. It's more meaningful. June 4th, 2018.